This is the Requiem Metal Podcast, episode 57, Bruce Dickinson. For too long now, there were secrets in my mind. For too long now, there were things I should have said in the darkness.
Don't Be Sad, but you just heard Tears of the Dragon on the Requiem Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. And uh, this week, we're going Dickinson. Yeah, this is... Uh, Mark and I have kind of bounced around the idea of how, how to approach, you know, a Iron Maiden show or even a Judas Priest show or something like that because it's so... I mean, what what are we going to say about Iron Maiden that nobody else has, hasn't already said or exactly. documentaries on? So we're still thinking of, a, of kind of different angles. If you have an angle, you know, let us know. Uh, you know, we thought about doing like the worst Iron Maiden songs, or or know, we could do purely. I've got all those Castle reissues. Yeah, of, we could do just of the, all the weird the rarities B-sides, or something. Women in uniform and a bunch of other bizarre stuff. Or maybe the got. songs that they never play live, like uh, you know, like Invaders or something. You know, like I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we've we've bounced around that idea, and, and one of the things in in so doing so in talking about it is we we really kind of got into kind of talking about the Bruce Dickinson solo stuff and. Uh, you know, we actually wanted to do a show maybe on Chemical Wedding. Yeah, barely uh, just on that record, but because it's such a great record, and it, it keeps kind of holding up uh, as you kind of go back to it. But then Mark was um, nice enough to kind of get me hooked on some Gypsy Road, which we'll be hearing in a little <laughs> bit here from Tattooed Millionaire, and, and so we kind of conceived of like, hey, couldn't we just do a Bruce Dickinson show? And because as far as I mean, a lot of I don't think anybody else in. Maiden has had any kind of successful solo outings. I know Adrian Smith did some pretty god awful yeah. stuff after he left there for a while, but and I don't know much about any of the other Maiden solo stuff. I, I don't think anybody else is really. Than, yeah, I don't think anybody that. else has really done anything, uh, any specific solo project. Possibly played with somebody, but I mean that's been Steve Harris's bread and butter and Dave mm-hmm. Murray's for. Forever. Since like seventy six. How long has Nico McBrain been in the band? Eighty three. Okay, so I mean those guys have been there for a while. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, but uh, you know Bruce obviously has a, as you'll find out if you're unfamiliar with his solo stuff, he has a pretty uh, eclectic. Yeah, <laughs> to say it's, at a, least. it's a very strange kind of uh, career that he's done in the solo stuff, and most of it was is going to come from the nineties, which is when he uh, ventured off from Iron Maiden and and did his own thing for a while only to return in the the year 2000 so um, the song you just heard Tears of the Dragon um, is from his second um, record called Balls to Picasso which was put out in 1994 (laughs) and EMI and Sanctuary Records and the funny thing about this record and and Mark will talk a lot more about Tattooed Millionaire in a moment but this is the probably the record outside of Chemical Wedding I'm most familiar with so Here's my two cents on Bruce Dickinson solo. You know, mm-hmm. you get here for me, but this was um, pretty big when I was in the formative years of of kind of watching a lot of Headbangers Ball and stuff. '94, uh, you know, that's putting me like uh, freshman year in high school. Yeah, you know, so we didn't have cars yet, so we were stuck home on Saturday nights <laughs> a lot, watching a lot of Headbangers Ball, and um, they really pumped Tears of the Dragon the video quite a bit. And I remember the there was one other single from this called Cyclops, which I think our local radio station would play from time to time. But uh, Tears of the Dragon was, in a weird kind of way, was my introduction into Bruce Dickinson in, in, and Iron Maiden. In Iron Maiden. Yeah. You know, I'd heard you know Number of the Beast and Run to the Hills and a couple of choice other songs here and there, but we didn't own any Iron Maiden. You know, as I was, it was we, kind of passe at that time. And it yeah, was I mean, like, early '90s, like you didn't get caught dead talking about like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden or even the hair metal. Like none of the '80s metal stuff was like hip at all. I mean, we were listening to a lot of grunge and oh, death was, metal and yeah. you know all this kind of newer stuff. And you know, when you're young, you you sort of dismiss the old um mm-hmm. and i think it's it's funny you know a couple weeks back we did the candle mass show and there's a band that we sort of took based on reputation of the vocalist as sort of being something we wouldn't be interested in or you know um 
you know, when we talk about some of the American death metal stuff from time to time, you know, that we dismissed in the early 90s because we were more interested in the European stuff and we just kind of pass off as passe, you know, sure. like, eh, suffocation, they're just boring, you know, yeah. where they're not, you know. Boy, did uh, they're yeah, awesome. call that one wrong. <laughs> yeah. So it was really weird. So, like, for me, like, when I think of, like, and this is funny for some of you probably out there who are, who are hearing this to think about, but like understand that when I was getting into metal on a heavy front in the early 90s, Iron Maiden had Blaze Bailey and Bruce Dickinson was doing solo stuff. So mm-hmm. I just thought of Iron Maiden as kind of being lame because I had heard the Blaze Bailey stuff and was like, eh. You know, yeah, not into this. You know, it was only when I I, I ran into a couple of used copies of some of the older stuff where I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> I get why everybody talks about Iron Maiden. So, but uh, so Tears of the Dragon holds a special place in my heart uh, for that. And that's probably one of his best known, at least commercially successful uh, singles. That's sure. kind of why we started the show. Up and it's one today. of the one of the only videos I can think of um, that I've ever seen in rotation on MTV of his solo stuff. Did they do any videos for Chemical Wedding or anything? Uh, I, I was so out of the... Out I of, actually, I don't think Headbangers Ball existed at that point anymore. Probably not. In 2000? Yeah. Probably not. MTV2 maybe had it then, but I, I doubt it. So. But yeah, that was just before like you know internet video was really prevalent either. So I don't. I kind of doubt there were any videos for it. Yeah, but Balls Picasso is a really strange record, and that's the only song we're going to play off of it. We're actually going to kind of go back to the beginning, but you know... Um, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, you were kind of the resident Iron Maiden fan. I mean, yeah. what was... You, well, you kind of got into Tattooed Millionaire, which was his first solo record. Did you hear it in order? Or? Yeah, that was the first solo record I heard. Was okay. I heard Tattooed Millionaire probably close to maybe a year or two after it came out. So that came out in 1990. So you're yeah. talking 91, 92. That you heard Tattooed Millionaire probably? No, no. When, yeah, that came out. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and I was pretty well into my Maiden kick at that point as well. Um, that was... That happened fairly early on because that was that was one of those crossover bands that a lot of people I hung out with at the time and um, you know it seemed to people seemed to get off on Maiden more they were a little more forgiving than that to a lot of other stuff sure you know the the art aesthetic the you know I mean there's... well that and the, it was it's always upbeat yeah it's not like true. you know hey let's go listen to some Morbid Angel I don't want to listen to Morbid yeah Angel. that's it's a downer <laughs> for the... um, but yeah I mean it was just it was a record when I heard it, I never thought of like oh this is crap or this is like oh man I was really wanting some high concept record for Tattooed Millionaire it was just I mean I think this, this is kind of what Bruce talks about in the liner notes of uh, the, the reissue of the CD as well I was like it's one to have some fun yeah and uh, you know him and he grabbed Janet Gears because uh, right after they did Seventh Son of the Seventh Son, right? Yeah, right after they toured for that one summer. And uh, yeah, I got Janet Gears, who was just about ready to sell his guitar. And, and he wasn't give up involved in any band. This is pre Iron Maiden Janet Gears, right? Yeah, he was in some something Gypsy's Kiss, or I don't know. No, that's Gypsy's old band. But uh, he was just, yeah, basically, he was, he was having like very limited success. And they got together, threw this thing together. And uh, I mean, it's. It's still a really fun record to <laughs> to listen to, and it's, as long as you don't take it too seriously. I mean, I think you got to take it in the right context. Bruce, yeah, exactly. They were just you know, it was the kind of the height of, or actually, it was the tail end of the excess of the cock rock, hair cock metal rock, hair metal stuff. stuff totally. So, I mean, and, and this was kind of like putting Bruce's tongue in cheek kind of uh, the know, British sense of humor, British on, on yeah, LA, dry sense of humor in LA stuff. Yeah. So or late eighties, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and to me, like I hadn't heard Tattoo Millionaire up until a few months ago. Um, I was familiar, like I said, with some of his solo stuff. And, mm-hmm. and uh, 
on our trip out to uh, Maryland Death Fest, we were kind of rocked out Gypsy Road a couple times, <laughs> and it's it's a very anthemic tune. It's it's cool, you know. And yeah. I played. I've subsequently I played it for a few of my friends who have also sort of said, you know, this is like kind of got that like, you know just dropped in to see what condition my condition is in like Kenny Rogers kind of like it's just an oddball tune and as long as you don't I I think a lot of Iron Maiden fans from what I've read are so put off by like Tattooed Millionaire because it doesn't sound like an Iron Maiden record and it's like are you kidding me do you what do you do you want it to sound like an Iron Maiden record or do you want them to be able to do his own thing yeah that's always the bizarre thing of like people that do solo projects that just sound exactly like Stephen Wilson from Porcupine Tree Mm -hmm. he's got Blackfield and then Stephen Wilson and Porcupine Tree and basically they all sound the same yeah like (laughs) that's the point like I want to see either have something that's that's like far out diverse or uh, you know like especially what Bruce did with uh, and Boss Picasso and less successfully in Skunk Works is yeah. try to like merge this weird, you know, the the post grunge kind of mm-hmm. industrial funk <laughs> stuff together. And I mean, Skunk Works I think is a horrible record. Yeah, um, I've listened to bits and pieces of it over the last couple months again, and I remember first I think I bought it, and I was just like, oh man, I was, was so disappointed. You? I've never heard it, so I have to plead ignorance. It didn't, yeah, it didn't have any of like the kind of traditional Bruceisms that I was hoping to get out of the thing. Yeah. Some of the sing songy stuff, and because uh, at the very least, you know, if you take Tattooed Millionaire just for on what it is, it has some sing along kind of melodies. It's a hard oh, sure. rock record, it's not it's, a metal record, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's but you know, a song like Gypsy Road, which we'll hear next, and even this cover of All the Young Dudes is, is it's, awesome. That yeah. was my that was one of my first, uh, kind of like I really kind of like at first, I was it was kind of like a train wreck with that song, it was like. I don't know. This is kind of weird. It's kind of lame, but did you know I it was really a cover like it. when you heard it the first time or no? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I think it was in the. Uh, a friend of mine had the the single for all the young dudes, and the cover was just I think a, a close up of a dude on a motorcycle, and then a close up of a chick's like high heel red shoe or something, which is totally you know like. I don't At know. least it wasn't like Bruce Dickinson and like David Bowie, like Ziggy Stardust made. Oh no, no no, that'd be pretty creepy. <laughs> but but it, that kind of makes sense with his kind of like idiosyncratic you know uh nature of his solo projects like that that weird that song weirdly fit into it well bruce himself is just a, a really eclectic guy i mean he's written a couple books he's a he uh, a is movie? a professional fencer you know i mean he's, he's a got, pilot a licensed pilot yeah in that iron maiden documentary that just came out uh what's it flight 666 yeah I've, I've when we were in maryland actually before we went to maryland we were in philly with chris and we watched that mm-hmm and you know he's flying Iron Maiden on tour and this in the giant, 747 yeah and this with Eddie on the Iron tail of it. <laughs> you know I mean Bruce is a cool dude and when you see him interviewed in like the documentaries like Global Metal and Headbangers Journey and stuff you know he's just so down to earth and he's not taking this so seriously no and he's he's totally hungry to like learn all the time mm-hmm. I mean the guy's got an unbelievable appetite for knowledge so it's and I think at times he's probably out ahead of a lot of Iron Maiden fans and that's probably where they crucified him with their criticism yeah and with you know, you know granted Skunk Works is a uh, I mean it's it's a brave record as far as being experimental and completely abandoning all your roots to what people would normally come to you for yeah um, but I think when we start getting into uh, Accident of Birth, which is kind of criminally underrated, mm-hmm. and uh, Chemical Wedding, that's when I think he finally like tried to. He actually had like a really good concept, and and he got uh, Roy Z from who knows what more known for his producing credits, and Adrian sure. Smith back in the band, and started to kind of get back to you know what what made uh, you know what what made Bruce's songs kind of his own, and not. Mm-hmm 
so much. I think he had to experiment and completely drop all that maidenisms, mm-hmm. and then start bringing it back up again. Then maiden, I don't and know that, if this is how it and happened. It kind but, of grew more naturally, organically into what he wanted it to to be. Yeah, yeah. I think getting the right players, and then once maiden was kind of in their death knell of virtual eleven with, <laughs> with Bailey, Blaise, Blaise, um, with a soccer cover on it, no less. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was like Bruce had kind of hit his. I think it, it almost probably took him going on his own, making his own records how he wanted before they could both kind of come back together and have some kind of relationship sure. again. Sure. And yeah, and we'll we'll definitely uh, talk about that when we get into that that era of stuff. So uh, we've already uh, talked uh, talked this song up, but we're we're gonna hear some Gypsy Road and then the title track from Tattoo Millionaire. Which uh, I comment, it sounds almost exactly like Pyromania, Def Leppard. It's got the same kind of guitar tones for yeah. sure, the same kind of upbeat, you know, yeah. pounding feel to it, kind of thing <laughs> to it. And then we're gonna end things with a, uh, a tune from uh, Accent of Birth called Freak. Welcome to your dreams, Gypsy Road. 
That was Freak from Accident of Birth, and we preceded that with Tattoo Millionaire and Gypsy Road. Ah, Welcome to your dreams. <laughs> take me home. So uh, again, like that's just a great road song. So, um, but anyways, Freak on Accident of Birth. Um, this is up until the last few weeks. Again, uh, another Dickinson record that I was, you know, kind of unfamiliar with, but it, well, the, it sounds pretty good. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing is it's got a for all intents and purposes hideous cover of like this punch and judy kind of puppet thing but yeah. it is, it's painted by uh, Derek Riggs the long time you know uh, Maiden cover the, artist yeah he did all the famous Iron Maiden Eddie covers and I remember I think if I remember I think Chris probably got this through you know Castle or whatever who was putting CMC. out stuff at the time was yeah. it CMC putting out yeah. and uh, probably completely dismissed it yeah you can have this you like Maiden or whatever and mm-hmm. you know but you give him the cover I think I just sat around for a couple of weeks and then threw it on it's actually a really good record sure yeah and Freak's a good example maybe it's not it's very diverse it's, yeah. it's it's almost one of those kind of like we were talking with about Death last week because it was one of those weird transitional records where it's got a couple of really good tracks that are kind of putting them in the right direction but a lot of experimentation where I think they're trying to feel out yeah. what's what's necessary and yeah there was a tune on there um, I can't remember right offhand. it's something about the queen taking the queen you know mm-hmm. that that one kind of jumped out to me as being like a good attempt at kind of one of these like slower more kind of melodic kind of maiden-esque ballads but yeah but like there was still like an element missing from it that didn't quite work that he will perfect on chemical wedding it's yeah. like the pieces are there but it's they're not assembled all in the right places yet. well and this is the introduction on uh Accident of Birth introduction of uh, Adrian Smith. Yeah, he makes his back comeback. Because you know? so. when did he? Had, when did Adrian leave Iron Maiden? Seventh Son, I believe. Really? And okay. then uh, yeah, then Janet Gears came on, or maybe no, Janet Gears I think came in on uh, No Prayer for the Dying. Because what happens? And I remember reading this. We forgot to mention, but after Tattooed Millionaire, which um, came out in 1990, before. Um, before Bruce is basically kind of fired, he convinces them to hire Janet Gears, right? Yeah. As the replacement for Adrian Smith. Smith. Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny because Bruce ends, you know, Bruce and Janet do this first solo record together, but Janet stays in the band and Bruce and doesn't. Bruce is, yeah. yeah. So yeah. kind of go figure. Odd luck. But he's always kind of been a, like, kind of the diplomat in the band as well because that was. Uh, coming up later on when you know he actually reunites with Maiden in 2000 that was one of the stipulations that well Adrian's coming with me again so we're going to have three guitar players and Adrian kind of was uh, has some you know at times like ego issues he was when he was younger uh, he was an egomaniac totally kind of full of himself but uh, and you know rightly so to some degree um, but later on, you know, I think as his as he kind of got a taste of the real world, and once he was like, "Well, I'm bigger than you know this. I can go out on my own and have a successful career." And when mm-hmm. it kind of fell flat, and uh, I think he starts to kind of come back with Dickinson, and actually the song uh, "Road to Hell" that we'll be playing uh, next off "Accident of Birth" has that kind of rejuvenated because Adrian's always had really good catchy, dirty songs like um, you know "Wrath Child," "Sanctuary," that kind of. Uh, vibe to it and he was also co-wrote Wicker Man which was kind of their big comeback song I think this is almost a precursor to that to that kind of style that energy and uh, it doesn't it has like kind of a retro vibe but it doesn't feel like it's I mean it feels fresh Mm -hmm. and has energy to it now like if you were to like kind of compare like Dave Murray and Adrian Smith's guitar style in those Mm -hmm. early years like what would be your like kind of best description because why why did Adrian kind of 
have more of an ego than say like Dave Murray? Did he do something that was more? He was more of a flashy player, more of a I think a, a gut instinct player, and Dave's a, a purely skill guy. Okay, and he uh, he does a flurry of notes, and Adrian picks his notes more carefully and bends them and holds them, things like that. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I've listened to Maiden so much now, I can actually pick out the three different guitar player solos when they take them. Uh, that's and cool. Dave Murray has a really really distinct kind of uh it's just basically almost like a flurry of you know arpeggios and stuff like that he's a very kind of technical player and i think adrian's more of a gut feeling player yeah so murray probably played that first solo on run to the hills which is like super like there's just tons of notes kind of flying yeah, just it. It. Yeah. but that's all that's, his solos are murray. mostly okay. yeah gotcha you and he's the guy first. that always mouths out his solos oh does he <laughs> yeah that's funny um but getting back to, to the accident of birth kind of era, the song we just heard, Freak, um, one of the things that, you know, they failed to do on Skunk Works and even Balsa Picasso. Well, I wouldn't say failed on Balsa Picasso because song like Cyclops does some, mm-hmm. I mentioned it had this like interesting Faith No More meets Corn sound before, before, before the new metal sound broke out. Mm-hmm. But uh, Freak has this sort of alternative guitar edge. To it's got it, a Stone Temple Pilots vibe to the guitars for all that yeah. kind of like driving heavy distortion thing that they used to do a lot. And you pointed out, and I, I, I definitely, you know, once you said it, it like clicked for me that it's very similar to like what a lot of the 80s hair bands were kind of doing in the mid 90s, like what Dokken did on which, Dysfunctional. Yeah, like nobody pretty well. You know? Really, after a while, like, I think people just completely dismissed all that stuff. Stuff, but yeah. they actually, you know, Dokken was trying at sure. the time Skid as well. Row did a, a killer record called Subhuman Race in the uh, uh, mid-90s. That, was that post-Slave of the Grind? Yeah, and actually got like four stars in rolling. I mean, it's a good record. Is it? I yeah. don't think I've ever heard it. Yeah, I'll have to throw it at you sometime when you're ready. But I'm, I'm going on record. You guys can crucify me, but that's a good <laughs> record. But uh, anyways, so Freak was sort of capturing that, like, you know that experimentation of like the modern style, but like trying it was the post grunge thing. Like when all the grunge bands basically kind of for alternative whatever the hell the term is, people like to call them. When all that stuff was re- reading, reaching kind of like critical mass, it was all it was almost pop music at that sure. point. Because Accident of Birth comes out ninety seven, which is really like a lot of that stuff has died at this point. You know, I mean, Alice in Chains yeah. is done, Pearl Jam's kind of done. Stone Temple Pilots was kind of pop garbage yeah. at that point, and. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't even remember what else was going on. Soundgarden was about to break up, I think, you know. And yeah. I mean, it was really that. I mean, Nirvana. So it's almost. For a few it's, years. Yeah, it's the precursor that that filling the gap of alternative music, new metal. That horrible era of the late '90s, popular new metal, wow. which we, I don't. know. Anyways, <laughs> so let's uh, let's let's get into the road to hell here, and um, it's paid with good intentions. Yeah, and it's I, to me this is my this is a sequel to Gypsy Road, in my opinion. <laughs> so it's the closing of the road, but it's it's definitely the super melodic uh, return to form for the. It's the, very it's very Maiden esque yeah. as well. It's almost more Maiden esque than maybe some of the stuff that they were doing with with Blaze in a way. Yeah, you know, and really, as much as people give them a hard time musically, some of that stuff's actually pretty good. Yeah, um, and actually, on some of I think uh, the Live in Rio record that came out, I don't know, three four years ago, mm-hmm. when Dickinson sings some of those songs, they're fantastic. Are they? Yeah, so maybe we'll do a Blaze show. <laughs> I, I don't own any of that stuff. Uh, we'll get it. We'll get it somehow. You heard Side it here first. Of the cross. Yeah. I, I saw him live. I saw Maiden live with Blaze Bailey. That was the first time I was saw. Was it him. good? Well, it was, they were energetic, and I was stoked to see Maiden, even if Bruce Maiden. wasn't there. But he was not, he's no Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. He's not running around like crazy with masks on and jumping off speakers and yeah. all this You're kind of no stuff. You're no Bruce Dickinson, son. <laughs> so enjoy uh, Road to Hell, and then we're going to kind of uh, open up our first song from The Chemical Wedding, kind of an epic tune uh, called The Book of Thale.
abstracted, brooding secret, the dark power hid. Caesared Book of Thel and Road to Hell. And uh, Book of Thel, you know, has, it's up the ante. If you've never heard The Chemical Wedding, which was put out in 1999, um, you're talking about one of the most fantastic metal, just true metal records of the 1990s. Easily. I mean, it, and I think it's even been kind of given that credit, like in Terrorizer and Metal Maniacs when they did their top albums of the decade. It, it, it was got really, top I, 10. I think it didn't make like top album of the year or album something. Album of the year and a lot of things and stuff. And I mean, this is just a, a killer record. And I think, I think what was really interesting when this came out, I think it readjusted people. I think people had ignored Maiden for so long and it maybe even ignored Bruce Dickinson's solo stuff. I, mean, I think I they just dismissed it as I don't think Accident Birth was very popular. I, Clearly, didn't, I, I, I mean, it ended up popping up on people's like you know on playlists. I mean, um, was it Paul Lowe from the now Robert Candle Lowe, from Robert Lowe, Paul Lowe, Paul Lowe, Chad Lowe's brother? <laughs> no, but the yeah, the singer Solitude Eternus, uh, Candlemask, uh, Accident of Birth, one of his favorite records. Yeah, and I think it, it does hold up. But I think again, it's like Chemical Weddings, where all these elements that Bruce has been trying to put together kind of arrive at the right time. Well, it's where a nays- like the naysayers they can't say you can't say a bad thing about this record. No. I mean, from even being, it's not just the the Maiden fans or the Bruce Dickinson fans, but everybody got around this record. Well, I think what happens too at the late '90s is metal had gone through, especially like the the extreme metal scene and, and just even metal in general had gone through this really like really bad period from '96 <laughs> to about '98, '99. Yeah, I mean, where really there was so much inconsistently. I mean, Metallica's putting out Load and and just. You know, they, there's well, just Megadeth no, put their string of yeah, crap records there's, out. There's no great records coming out, and I think it was like right time, right place. And I think Bruce sort of brought people back, and I think mm-hmm. there was a there was almost a renaissance of spirit in terms of like people wanting that traditional metal to come back. It's like you know, during the '90s, it was all about shedding the excesses of the '80s off and stuff. And it's not that people wanted the excesses back, but I think people sort of recognized. It's like, hey, I kind of like listening to solos. Yeah, there, there's <laughs> there's some value in in songwriting, yeah. not yeah. in just like screaming about like you know how you're abused as a child and you know <laughs> like Limp Biscuit telling people to go like rape women and stuff when oh. their concerts. I mean, I think there was just this this sense that like metal needed you know like it's it's old guard to kind of step up their game i mean i think Iron no, it's like the kids screwing around it you know at home by themselves for too long the adults finally have to come back and show them what, sure. what it's about it's again time, you know they kind of bitch slap them back into shape <laughs> or something and to me like this arrives at the right time and it, it to me it resurrects two careers it resurrects bruce dickinson it's going to resurrect iron maiden yeah i mean iron maiden in my mind was just a band that i listened to their old records of i didn't even well, it seemed it seemed almost like anymore. you know, yes, putting out records in the '90s or something yeah. at that point. Like, with, who, who cares? Who cares? Except yeah. for the totally diehard fans. But uh, yeah, 2000 comes around. You know, Brave New World band comes back to three guitar players. Oh yeah, and, and I uh, mean, they start conquering the world. And then to me, right now, Iron Maiden, even amongst my students, is just as big, if not bigger, than when I was in high school. Oh, I think they're way bigger now. I think they've actually got like a uh, that that resurgence has definitely come back in with how, especially how they. I mean, the guys are in their fifties, mm-hmm. uh, mid fifty, yeah, about mid fifties, I think, and they're still doing unbelievable shows. They're killer. They're I mean, there's right still there's nobody that can put on a better live show, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think Chemical Wedding is the 
the coming out party for all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. because, you know, you're talking about Adrian Smith and Bruce Dickinson, and then they're going to kind of reconnect right after this record and reform kind of the traditional Iron Maiden. Yeah, you know? kick people in the pants with, with Wicker Man, which is like... A killer tune. Yeah. And, and so not to talk so much about Iron Maiden, but get back to the Chemical Wedding, you know, the, the thing that... This is some of the most consistent, like, epic metal writing that you'll hear and it's not epic in the way like rhyme of the ancient mariner and stuff <laughs> yeah. which is a great song i'm not dismissing that level of iron maiden epicness this is like this has the emotions of sort of the 90s era like grunge which was all about like it's more, yeah it's more kind emotions of emotions it's more and, complex i think and a yeah. little bit more uh not i hate the word adult but I, I guess it's just more it's more thought out it's not as like it's more conceptual than a lot of the Maiden stuff when we're talking about Maiden it's usually like okay we got Alexander the Great we got uh, Somewhere yeah. in Time it's like all these kind of weird uh, B film references and like a little bit of social commentary but this is this feels like a really uh, a great like concept piece well and when you hear it it feels important I, yeah. you know when you hear a song like we're going to hear in a moment Chemical Wedding which is like I mean Chemical Wedding to me like when I hear that I hear that in the same way that I hear like mid-period like anathema and catatonia mm-hmm. and paradise lost. It kind of screams my, importance. Yeah, it's just like like there's a heartfelt. Yeah, there. it's honest. Yeah, I think that's something that this. I mean, Maiden's honest in a, a fun kind of way, but this sure. seems honest. Like Bruce is putting his emotions on his sleeve as well, and still managing to. And he's talking about some big, big stuff. Yeah, you know, and uh, you know he gets into some religious stuff on this record, and I mean, it's just it's a. There's a and spirituality to the, the music that's front that's really to back. Interesting. It's it's his best solo. Uh, without, without a doubt, doubt, there's no there's no clunkers on here. No, not at all. And Book of Thale was just, I mean, the solo in that is killer, it's and totally the chanting. Ripping. I mean, yeah. like, the sing along parts, and I mean, Bruce just sounds like he has so much conviction in his voice too. When he like rips into that something wicked this way comes, I mean, you're just <laughs> like you're with him. It's like Number of the Beast, yeah. Power Slave all over again. That kind of believability you know like and he believes he in has what he's tweaked singing. his uh his vocal delivery he's not the uh you know uh air warning siren that no people have, yeah you know it's he not goes a, low he goes record. low and he actually has i think a really good range uh, on this record as well it's not just the you know balls out screaming kind sure, of stuff sure um and to me the next two we're going to hear king of crimson and the chemical and chemical wedding the title track those are two of the highlights chemical wedding for me is well those almost those two songs almost need to go together yeah the 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 two openers you Mm -hmm. know and one thing i remember and i was talking to my friend luke about this because he said you know when we were listening to this in the car he was like you know when i hear this record it sounds familiar it sounds like something i've heard before Mm -hmm. that i didn't know about and i said well you know it's funny and you probably don't remember this because you weren't watching any mtv at the time but when this record came out, I crap you not, MTV had commercials for this record coming out to buy it like Best Buy or Target or something Wedding? like that. And they played Chemical Wedding on the TV. And if anyone else remembers that, let me That's know. bizarre. Because I feel like I'm crazy. <laughs> but when I told Luke that, he goes, you know what? When you say that, I, I remember that now. Uh-huh. I've heard this song before, but years ago in That's no bizarre. context. And so CMC, like... To me, I, I guess the critics got behind it, and they must have convinced CMC that, like, look, if you're going to push one of your records on your, you know, kind of weird, oddball '80s resurrection label, yeah, push this record, you know, and I think they did, and obviously that's why I got album of the year, and it got all these kind of accolades and stuff. So, I don't know if anybody knows out there if I'm true, if <laughs> if, if I'm just like having some weird made-up memory, you know. But um, anyway, so let's uh, let's hear a trio of tunes here. We got King and Crimson, Chemical Wedding, and The Tower.
heard the tower chemical wedding and king in crimson not king crimson but the king in crimson very clever play on words from, from the mighty uh, bruce dickinson and the mighty chemical wedding yeah but uh the we're kind of drawing things to a close here and um obviously as we've sort of alluded to after the chemical you know after the chemical wedding you know uh, bruce kind of puts a lot of his solo aspirations on hold because he's and uh, tours his ass off with Maiden. I was gonna say he, he's asked to join this band, uh, Iron Maiden. So I think he the he's, biggest rock band in the world. Yeah, right? he's kind of stayed busy with that for a while. But um, you know, any closing thoughts on on Chemical Wedding tunes or anything? You know, oh, another thing I don't think we really brought up much, but Bruce had his typical repertoire of of vocal patterns, I guess, that he would use. And I think this is one of the first where he really kind of sheds those a lot too. He, I mean, he he takes the ones that really work well for him. His uh, kind of chanting, whoa, mm-hmm. whoa, kind of uh, anthemic things. He keeps those, but also like in the tower has a really, really just a catchy, like beautiful vocal line to it mm-hmm. as well. Which that's kind of why I picked that one. It kind of stood out a little bit um, in that. But uh, yeah, it just it, it seems like everybody just kind of shed everything that wasn't necessary and put a hundred percent of their effort into this thing. It was just, I mean, if any any solo record, go get this. Yeah. For sure, and then you know. I mean, any any Maiden record post uh, Seventh Son, you know, put those on hold and get pick this up because you unless can, you're talking about Brave New World, yeah, yeah, kind of I, stuff. I'm thinking of yeah. You uh, think of the '90s, basically. the '90s stuff, and actually, Fear of the Dark is a fantastic song, but um, yeah, go and buy it. It'll be there'll be a link in the uh, show notes at uh, RickmanPodcast.com. Yeah, but uh, 
Bruce does have one record left, though. He, uh, he has the Tyranny of Souls. And and this is one I didn't even know existed. I had no Neither idea did I until about... It came out in 2005. Uh, I picked it up probably 06. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not as striking off the bat as Chemical Wedding. It has some, has some decent tracks. It has some weird... Um, like a, some experimentation with... Oh, I guess I'm being... Whoa, that was some Iron Maiden there. Yeah, there we go. Anyways, uh, no, it has some experimentation some weird, with some uh, weird uh, with sci-fi drums. sounds coming <laughs> yeah, out of nowhere. Somebody, Chris is trying to instant message me right now. <laughs> uh, but no, they've got like some double bass, some almost blast beat stuff, which is kind of interesting. Uh, they mess around a little bit more with. Uh, it seems like it's one of those other things. Like, okay, we hit a plateau with what we we're going to do with Comical Wedding, and let's just kind of. It seems almost like accident of birth, part two. Yeah. Um, it's got some good songs. Tyranny of Souls is a really good song. The title track, it's it's consistently good. It's not essential, but it's uh, it's a solid effort. I mean, it's it's as I'd say it's it's close to as good as uh, if you have to rate them. I would go Chemical Wedding, Tattooed Millionaire, Accident of Birth, Accident of Birth, and, and then Tyranny one. of Souls. As far as my personal taste. Yeah, and I I'm not as familiar with this one, so I can't make that claim. Either, mm-hmm. But but the song we are going to hear, Abduction, which we're going to kind of close things out with. It sounds like an Arch Enemy song. Yeah. <laughs> we're thinking it's an vocal stuff. It's kind of odd. Is it, who's playing on this? Is uh, it? This is bad. There's Adrian Smith's not on this one, but it's, uh, it's Roy Z again. And then they're complete. They usually have like a uh, rotating door of other musicians. Session bassist. Session, session bassist. Session drummer. Session drummer like so. so, yeah, it's a, it's a cool tune. And uh, and I think Roy Z is a complete... I, I wish I knew his actual full name, but uh, he's. I think he's kind of an underrated figure. He's it's, more known for his producing, um, but he's a really good player. I think I remember reading. I think his name is Ramirez, Roy Ramirez. But what he what he said is when he got into music, ethnic names weren't kind of the thing. So uh, he he put his name backwards, and so it's Ramirez ends with a Z, still so goes backwards. Okay. So that's that's his actual name, Roy Ramirez. Um, but I don't know. I can't say Ramirez backwards, you know. <laughs> so, you to yeah, yeah. so Roy Z will go with. But uh, anyways, this is a good way to kind of close things out here. We hope uh, we hope maybe you've gotten a little bit of perspective on the the many facets of, of Bruce Dickinson uh, in this podcast. Fencer, pilot, musician, poet, uh, filmmaker, filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and just a, a nice guy all together. Uh, but anyways, give us your thoughts. Let us know if we missed uh, a, a particular Dickinson favorite of Or if yours. maybe there's something off Skunk Works we should dust off and check out again. Because my cursory evaluation of it, again, was not positive. Yeah, and I'm totally unfamiliar with that record. I don't I don't own it in any capacity, so I plead ignorance. Uh, the, the fifth. But uh, yeah, shoot us an email, requiempodcast at gmail.com. Sh- check out our uh, show notes and also help us out by buying some of We'll have uh, links where you can buy this through Amazon. We get a little bit of kickback on that sure. yeah. as well at uh, requiempodcast.com. Uh, also, it'd be great to get more uh, kind of votes or yeah. uh, uh, what do you ever call it on iTunes? Uh, Hit us up on iTunes for sure. Leave us some reviews or. I don't know. That's yeah. Not. It's free. It's free. <laughs> it's free. Help us out. Part. So, but uh, anyways, here's uh, your arch enemy meets uh, Bruce Dickinson uh, meets hypocrisy in abduction. Abduction. Oh, good reference. Electric roll of artificial day The power of
Through there. 